0: Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns and Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyoncé. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat. is off the chain, man. Aye, ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Good morning, everybody. It is the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing? Don't forget to like and subscribe to my Facebook channel and download my podcast wherever you get your podcast. We've got a good show. In this show, I'm going to talk about Northern Little League out of Columbus dropping the semifinal double elimination matchup between Tennessee 4-2. to two. And their incredible season comes to an end. The Atlanta Braves get a big two-run blast from Adam Duvall. And they are only one game back from the first-place Phillies. And the new ESPN coaches poll is out. And Alabama, no surprise, is the unanimous number one team in the nation. Let's get right into the show. Boy, I really wish I could have guests. I've been doing this show every day now. Well, of course, weekdays. I really would like to get some guests. Because there's a lot of topics that I would love to discuss with a guest. How great would that be? All right, congratulations to the Northern Little League team out of Columbus. They were representing Georgia in the Southeast Regionals in Warner Robins. Saw the game on ESPN. Actually, both games on ESPN, losing to Florida and losing to Tennessee. They won their first two games in the tournament in a 10-0 victory over the team from South Carolina and then an incredible come-from-behind, Win over Tennessee, the same team that they played in the double elimination game. And now Tennessee will take on Florida in the finals today. Both teams have punched their tickets to the Little League World Series. Remember, there's no international teams this year, only teams from America. And so, two teams from the Southeast Regional will get in. A great season for Northern Little League. Northern Little League has a special place in my heart because they're right down the street from where I live. Opening day starts in March and i actually i saw uh, one of the little league teams uh, play and on the first pitch one of the players just hit the ball over the fence it was incredible they're very competitive as you go when you go to the park up in midland home of northern little league they have nothing but banners for winning district 8 and they've won the state of georgia many times as well and there's also a plaque That recognizes the 2006 Little League World Series champions. There's a lot of rich tradition for Northern, and they were beloved by this city, honored by the Columbus Chattahoots. And congratulations to Northern Little League for a wonderful season. I can't wait till next year. As I played Little League Baseball, I played in 1992. Uh, for the 12-year-old league in California. I don't remember what district it was, but we were called Melpitas South. There was a team from Melpitas North who actually was a lot better. A lot of the players would eventually go on to play for the high school team. And I didn't make the All-Star team because that's usually, the Little League World Series consists of the All-Stars in the teams in the league. And it's been a rich tradition. And, of course, that was such a long time ago. I don't know how far the team from my district made it in the tournament, but it usually starts out Columbus Northern is in District 8. The District 8 playoffs are usually in June. You got teams like from Harris County. You got American, which is also from Columbus. And so the long journey to the Little League World Series starts in March and, of course, playoffs in June. How about those Atlanta Braves? They did it again. And now they are just a game back. How about How about those Atlanta Braves? They get an important win over the Cincinnati Reds 3 to 2 as Adam Duvall hit a two-run home run. They were down 2 to nothing. Austin Riley scored the run in the bottom of the 6th, and the Atlanta Braves are now a game back from the Phillies. Right now their record stands at 58 and 55, which is their best record so far as far as winning percentage. Can the Braves turn the corner and overcome the injury to Ronald Acuna Jr.? They do have a talented team. They picked up Jorge Soler from the Royals. They've got Adam Duvall. That was a great pickup, by the way, from the Miami Marlins. And, of course, Jock Peterson. Steven Voigt, a very talented catcher. And they're also going to get Travis Darnode back. They're going to get... A.J. Mentor back as well. And Ian Anderson, a talented pitcher. And the Braves could possibly make the turning point in the season. Will Smith picks up his 23rd save. And let me tell you something about this Braves team. They are relentless. This team went to the NLCS last year. I know they blew the 3-1 lead over the Dodgers. But look how much talent the Dodgers have. That's saying a lot for the Braves to come that far and take on the Dodgers in the NLCS. I think the Braves have what it takes to win the NL East, which means if the playoffs were to start and the Braves were NL East champions, they would take on the Milwaukee Brewers in the first round of the playoffs. There's a possibility that they could avoid the Dodgers. It seems like every time they play the Dodgers and the Cardinals, it doesn't fare well for the Braves. The Dodgers, even though they only got three innings from Max Scherzer, were able to blank the Phillies five to nothing in a rain delay game that saw Corey Seeger and Max Muncie hit home runs. As frustrating as it is to see the Dodgers winning, they were winning without Mookie Betts. He was injured. It is nice to know that they are four back from the San Francisco Giants. The Giants get a victory over the Arizona Diamondbacks. But I still think these two teams are going to go down the stretch. There's still a lot of season left to play. Looking at some of the other scores in Major League Baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays defeat the Boston Red Sox 8-4. to I tell you, the city of Tampa is on a roll. After... The Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. You had the Buccaneers winning the World. You had the Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl. And last year, the Tampa Bay Rays won the American League and represented the American League in the World Series. Is it possible that they could make it back to the World Series? Right now, they are 69 and 44. That is the best record in the American League. I know I said on the show yesterday I'd like to see the Red Sox and the Giants in the World Series. I actually would like to see the Tampa Bay Rays and the Giants in the World Series. When I was a kid, the Giants were supposed to move to Tampa in 1992. And it would also be the Evan Longoria Series because it would also be the Evan Longoria Series because Evan Longoria played for the Rays and now he plays for the Giants. On this show, I'm going to talk a little bit about NBA Summer League because it is important to know how good are these rookies. I know the competition is not your top tier NBA players, but on ESPN last night, you had the Houston Rockets taking on the Detroit Pistons. Why is that important? Because that game featured the number one and the number two draft picks from this year's NBA draft. Cade Cunningham led the way for the Pistons with 20 points. Surprisingly, Luca Garza, who might be a steal, but the Pistons got him later in the draft. He came off the bench with 15 points. Jalen Green led the way for the Rockets with 25 points. And a surprising rookie, the talented center out of Turkey that Houston got from a trade from the Oklahoma City Thunder, he had 21 points. I know both teams are rebuilding. But the one rookie that I'm impressed from the most is Atlanta Hawks point guard Sharif Cooper. Hit the game winner in his summer league game with the Hawks. As they defeated the Indiana Pacers. Speaking of the Indiana Pacers. I watched that documentary on Malice at the Palace. It happened in November of 2004. It was a very historic event that happened. Never in this country have we seen a brawl between players and fans that was that bad. And the documentary goes into detail about the Indiana Pacers and their season and the players that they picked up via trade. The one incident with the guy throwing the cup at Ron Artest when he was laying on the scorers table, set up a chain reaction of events that caused the fans to be ruthless and say what you want. The players were defending themselves, but they made the mistake of going into the stands and it also cost the Pacers a championship. I feel that, they could have won the nba championship that year remember the pistons won it the year before indiana had home court advantage and took on the pistons in the eastern conference finals they would have been able to take on the lakers remember the lakers had that super team and the pacers were the pacers had a great record and they were blowing the pistons out at home i remember the score 97 to 82 great documentary i feel bad for the indiana pacers one of those teams that Reggie Miller did not get a ring. He had a lot of great years with the Pacers. And that was his last season as well. The USA Today coaches poll is out. And Alabama, no surprise, they are the unanimous preseason number one. They will take on the University of Miami in the Chick-fil-A kickoff. One interesting note that I'm looking forward to seeing is how Derrick King, who has shown that he is the best quarterback Miami's had in a while. How is he going to face Nick Saban's defense? It's a different era in college football. Teams can run. Teams can move the ball on Nick Saban's defense. I saw Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss go toe-to-toe with Alabama last year. Alabama no longer has Steve Sarkeesian. He was practically the offensive coordinator head coach because he was already a head coach. They now have Bill O'Brien, former Houston Texans head coach, and the hype of Bryce Wilson, the five-star, talented quarterback that already has endorsements. They still have John Menchie, a very good wide receiver, but they lost a lot of players to the NFL, including, in the last two years, four first-round draft picks when it comes to wide receivers. One interesting note, one thing I noticed about the group that's in the top five Three of the teams are going in with brand new quarterbacks. What does that tell you about the program? The coaches are giving these programs the benefit of the doubt. But you look at Alabama with a brand new quarterback. And right off the gate, they take on a Miami team. That could surprise some people. I know Alabama is an 18-point favorite. What if Derrick Keene starts becoming that mobile quarterback that Nick Saban can't stop? He couldn't stop Deshaun Watson. He couldn't stop Cam Newton. And Alabama's got a tough schedule. Looking at week three, they travel to the swamp to take on Florida. They travel to College Station to take on Texas AM. They got two tough. They got two tough road games, and going to Auburn is always tough. It's not a guarantee Alabama's gonna go undefeated this year. I actually think this is going Going to be their toughest test, especially with a brand new quarterback. I still believe they are the favorites in the SEC West, and if they do run the table and go undefeated, you got possibly Georgia waiting in the SEC title game. And this is not ten years ago. If Alabama slips up and has one loss, I don't see Oklahoma or Ohio State slipping up either. Do they sneak into the College Football Playoff? I mean, you got some teams that could surprise other teams out there. So just recapping. The coaches poll in college football. Alabama's one. Clemson is two. Oklahoma is three. Oklahoma returns Spencer Rattler. Ohio State, number four. Remember, they're... Coming into this season without Justin Fields. Georgia is 5. Remember, JT Daniels is coming back as a starter. But there's a lot of question marks, especially at the wide receiver position. Texas A&M is ranked 6th. They had a great season last year. Texas A&M only had the one loss to Alabama. And Jimbo Fisher really turned this program around. But they're also going into this season without their starting quarterback. Kellen Mond is now in the NFL. Notre Dame, who got blown out in the college football playoff. They're ranked 7th. Iowa State had a pretty good year year. Last year they're ranked eighth. North Carolina ranked ninth. They got a great head coach in Mac Brown and Sam Howell returns as the quarterback. They could possibly be one of the favorites in the ACC Coastal. Cincinnati's ranked tenth. They played Georgia in the Peach Bowl last year. Florida's ranked eleventh. They don't have Kyle Pitts. They don't have Kyle Trash. I think Florida is still one of the favorites in the SEC East, but they might have a down year. Oregon is twelve. LSU thirteen. LSU had a terrible year last year and they're ranked thirteenth. I'm I'm shocked. USC, who came in undefeated for most of the year, most of the shortened season. Clodius Kelvin is is their quarterback. You got Wisconsin at fifteen, Miami 16. Indiana 17, Iowa 18, Texas 19, Penn State 20, Washington 21, Oklahoma State 22, Louisiana Lafayette 23. This is really just going off of last year. Coastal Carolina 24 and Ole Miss at 25, led by head coach Lane Kiffin. And Corral is still their quarterback. I think Lane Kiffin is going to make some noise in the SEC West. I noticed that Auburn is not on this list. Getting Bo Nix back, they have a brand-new head coach, though, so I'm not sure if they are factoring that in. Just on the outside looking in, you have some teams. Uh, One thing I've noticed, uh, Stanford has really regressed. They used to be dominant 10 years ago. They got one vote, so there's no faith that Stanford is even a good team. Same with Cal they got one vote as well that is your ESPN coaches poll top 25 I cannot wait for college football season The season will start August the 28th. It's kind of a week zero, but it gets college football fans excited about college football. The big game on the slate is Nebraska and Illinois. Uh, Hawaii and UCLA might be intriguing. San Jose State, Southern Utah, that's on CBS Sports Network. I don't even get CBS Sports Network. You also got UConn and Fresno State, and then UTEP and New Mexico State. On Wednesday, September the 1st, you have the Montgomery kickoff. UAB taking on Jacksonville State. And then you got a nice slate of games on the 2nd of September leading up to Labor Day weekend to include Ohio State and Minnesota. That will be an interesting game because that will be in Minnesota. Ohio State's favored by 14 points. Again, you're going off of tradition and program it's basically what have you done for me lately chris olave is coming back as wide receiver so i think he's going to help the buckeyes get to where they need to go and possibly make it back to the college football playoff i'm just excited about college football what can i say all right i want to thank all my listeners that downloaded my podcast and don't forget to like and subscribe to my facebook channel i will be back tomorrow and we will talk sports thank you for joining me today i hope that you all have a good rest of your day. Bye. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat with your host,